Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. SST, Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. Join me today, my guy. It's been a few weeks, not too long, but we got him back. Back to talk some football, back to talk some basketball. My guy, KJ, Kyle Anderson, what's up? Yes, sir, man. Back like the 4-5, bro. So hype. It's been a minute. You know, I've been itching for a minute. Probably been texting you like three weeks in a row. Like, dude, yes. let's, I need to get on. I need to get on. And uh, I'm glad I'm back. We just missed like linking, I feel like, three times. Every well. every time. Whether every it was time. me or something came up, it's just like everything wasn't working out right. But, hey, it works out now. We're recording on a Wednesday night, Thursday release. There's plenty of stuff to break down and talk about in the world of football, obviously, because NFL rules everything. We also got some interesting Knicks action that just took place uh, that, you know, we're not going to talk too specifically about that individual game as it is now two days later, but just general Knicks vibe check as well as uh, some Western Conference battles with the Suns and Warriors. That was a lot of fun. And then we'll get into NFL. I want to ask Kyle because he is a a quarterback guy. He's an offensive coordinator, and uh, he's got some insights and some thoughts on some different quarterbacks as well as the Giants and – and some other teams and quarterbacks that we're going to talk about. But first, Kyle, I have to ask you, are you a Spotify guy or are you an Apple Music guy? You know what? I'm actually an Apple Music guy. You are. It's and Apple. the reason and the reason why, the reason why is just because for it's actually for work. Like mm-hmm. as a teacher, it's a lot easier uh, to play clean music from Apple Music than it is from Spotify. It's a lot easier to find clean music. So... I use Apple Music just because it's just more accessible as opposed to Spotify. Like, I feel like Spotify I have to like really do some digging for some uh, some clean tunes. So, I feel that as you know, that's practical. That's very practical of you. It's very mature and adult. Uh, and I'm curious, like, with Apple Music people, are they feeling real weird right now? Like, with everybody sharing their Spotify Wrapped and whatnot. Like, I got in on sharing mine <laughs> here on the Instagram a little bit. Like, is it a little weird? Like, yeah, man, it, it, it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny because like I saw it might have been Mazzy. It might have been Mazzy posted something yes. on uh, on Insta- on Instagram. Shout out our boy Mazzy, uh, dude we went to college with, and it was like a, a meme that said like um, uh, for all of you that are like complaining about um, you know that are get catching catching some some shade about your Spotify uh, Spotify shares like. I'm here for it. Like, I appreciate it. Keep posting it. Yes. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm just like, oh man, like I, I, I don't know. Like I wasn't like cringing, but I was just like, I was obviously laughing at Mazzy's post, but I also was just like, yeah, like I feel like I'm like left out. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know how to feel when I, when I look at it. And you know what? I saw that exact sentiment posted all over the place this, this year specifically, like in years past, it's kind of mixed. You know, some people are like, all right, yo, no one cares about your Spotify rap. Or, or some people are like, oh, I actually kind of like it. Or, every, But everyone's just posting anyway. No one really cares, right? But there was definitely more uh, of a pushback of saying, uh, I don't want to see your rap. I don't care. Stop posting it. And it's people just like who probably don't want to post theirs or, or just annoyed about everything in general. And I was always kind of in between because I was like, 
ah, I hate like putting stuff and I have to do it with the podcast all the time, like putting stuff in people's face like crazy. Obviously, it comes with the territory of the podcast, but I would never post my rap stuff in the past. I don't think at least I don't remember doing it. And then this year I saw a lot of people tweeting that out. And I was like, you know what? I feel empowered right now. And I support that support. So I put out my tweet. I was like, I see a lot of people supporting it. I'm supporting that support. Because I'm curious. I see people post their their top five artists, their top five songs, their genres, whatever it may be. And I feel like I get to know them a little more if I don't really know them that well. And you can tell if someone's basic. You can tell if someone's got some cool taste. You're like, oh my God, wow. I kind of thought that person was this. They actually got some some juice. They got something there. You know, and you, you learn a little bit about every every once in a while. <laughs> Pete, you know what's crazy is that this uh, our marketing period just started. A new market period just started like last week. And um we kind of like the first two, three days we're just figuring out, like, you know, all right, we're we're right now we're in box scheduling, so we have like those A B days. So we just flip-flop schedules every day. So we're you know, kind of right now we're actually in class and not like, you know, sitting and kids are picking classes. We're not giving out locks or whatever. So this is honestly, you, you are giving me like lesson plans right now for tomorrow. Like I, I'm legit like, yo dude, like this, cause I, I have to come up with icebreakers the first couple of days in CPR. Oh, I, I get oh. kids, kids certified in CPR. So this is one of the things where it's like, all right, Hey, like everyone pull up your Spotify. Like let's, let's, let's see what the Spotify, like, find someone in common in class that you you know say is in your top five you know let's let's talk about who who's got the best top five in here yeah and all right hey match up with someone else pete this is good stuff man there we go this is great there we go now i'm just thinking of writing this down kendrick and that new baby keem song smoking on top five yes sir (laughs) (laughs) proud of my top five i was uh i was actually assuming that mf doom would be shout out mf doom behind me over here on the wall r.i.p r.i.p I, I was kind of pulling for him to be my number one top artist, but Tyler, the creator got, got him again. Tyler, I think that's hey, man. two or three or three or four years that he's been my number one. So I don't know if that says more about me or Tyler, but that guy's damn good nowadays. So sometimes that the earthquake just hit different, bro. It really the does. Just be, you know it I mean, really, like, geez, God damn. All right, well, let's get on to some sports stuff. But before we do that, let's talk about our new sponsor with DraftKings. We are now part of the basketball podcast networks, and that helps us talk about, our friends over at DK football fans. I am sure we all love an action packed high scoring NFL game, but with the latest no brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner. Once a single point is scored, it could be the lowest scoring game of the week. As long as there's points on the board, you're a winner. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score with will win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And there we go. We got some nice DraftKings action. That's a great bet. When I see all these promos, Kyle, I always think to myself, 
damn, I wish I was a new customer. <laughs> Every time. You know what? I, it makes me it makes me want uh these gambling companies to take on like the AT&T approach where AT&T mm-hmm. is like, we don't care if you're a new customer or an old customer. Everyone <laughs> gets the same deals. So I'm like, that, that's what I need right now, man. Come on. I'm, your boy's broke. Hook me up. <laughs> like, I'm always like, damn. I'm waiting for them to say new customers only. I'm like, God. Nah, yeah, I'm always cool. like, man, let me go make this new make let me go make this new Gmail account. <laughs> yeah, slick, <laughs> go God, drop dude. a new link. Yeah, slick. They'll catch you. Uh, but no, nah, it's good stuff. And uh hopefully, you know, hopefully we win some bets this week because I'll be putting out more picks, of course, as we do every Saturday and Sunday between me and Pat Boyle. Before we get to NFL, Kyle, let's talk about these Knicks real quick. And uh obviously they came up short against the Nets, and it was a great game. A lot of people, especially Knicks fans, were complaining about the refereeing and the anticlimactic finish after the Fournier, you know, tying three pointer that made it even, uh, you know, down to the last second. Then the foul, of course, on Mitch James Johnson hit the free throws game over. However, it, it, there's more to take from this game than the final 17 seconds, right? There's a whole lot more to think about and care about and talk about with this Knicks and Nets team for that matter. So first I want to ask you two things. One, is thoughts on the new lineup with Burks inserted into the starting five uh, and how that affected the rest of the rotation. And then second, kind of how did you think that they lined up with the Brooklyn Nets who have been playing better and got good games from James Harden, KD, amongst a few others. So Nick's rotation and how they lined up with one of the best in the Eastern Conference. You know, not from not watching, unfortunately, for everyone that is a uh, an, an Xfinity customer, I'm sure you're like just struggling without MSG right now. So any opportunity for myself to to watch the Knicks um, on TV, you know, or I'm literally just watching highlights on like YouTube and stuff, just trying to get a feel for what's going on and everything. Um, it, you know, when I heard about Burks going to the starting lineup, um, my first question was just like, why? Like I didn't. Just if you were, you know, haven't been watching too many games or whatever, or, you know, just a, a fan. Okay. First question is like, why? Like, you know, we're paying Kimball Walker, you know, this money, and he's obviously just a big name. But when I found out just like his defensive liability and just lately hasn't been too great on offense, um, I kind of understood where they're coming from. And I think now is the time to make that switch. And I, and I kind of agree with what Tibbs decided to do and and do it against the Nets. You know, if there's any time to do it and to try and find out if, you know, hey, if this is a good move or not, now that, you know, that night was probably the right night to do it against a great, great team, a great offensive team. And it looks like Burks really held his own. Like he hit some big threes for them and was able to kind of generate some defense into offense uh, for the Knicks. Um, And you know what the – Pete, what was the – I'm sorry, what was the second question? Um, just kind of how they matched up with the Nets in general. Oh no. Yeah. And thank you. So defensively, like that's the, just the biggest thing that I was mostly concerned about was just defense. You know, it's how, how are we going to stop James Harden? How are we going to stop uh, KD? Um, can we keep up with them offensively? You know, it's just, it's, it's tough, but it's almost on, on paper. We should not even be in the game. Okay. With that roster. And to their credit, they play their ass off and really competed pretty much the enti- entire game. And that, I think the the one problem that they've kind of been having all year was kind of their Achilles heel last night was just their start in the third quarter. It really just 
it was it was another obstacle um, for them to overcome when you're already playing, you know, James Harden and KD. You are obviously just two of the probably five best scorers in the league. And the fact that they came back and made it made a run for a win uh, at Brooklyn is just really impressive. And and you know that I think me personally, I, I have to be positive about it just because of how good the Nets are and they're literally in championship contention. You can say, oh, they should have won the game and, uh, you know, we had so many opportunities. Yes, that is definitely true, okay? But we cannot, you know, forget just how far, you know, the Knicks were just from last year, you know, in the first round against the Hawks, you know. So this is – and this is also very early in the season. So I think them figuring out some of these new guys in the rotation – and for that being the first night with Burks in the starting lineup, I think it's only but a, only you know just a positive uh, moving forward. Yeah, hundred percent. I think one thing that's super important for Knicks fans this entire season has been trying to manage expectations. I know it sounds like it's not that important, but I'm just talking to a Knicks fan here, right? To any Knicks fan out there listening, anybody who cares about this team or is rooting for New York Knicks basketball to succeed, it's important to kind of have your mind in the right place right and be thinking about the right stuff and last year everyone got really excited rightfully so they got a four seed right but there was still reason to believe they were fighting an uphill battle to actually make noise in the playoffs we thought we had a matchup with the hawks that turned out to be a bad one and we thought it was a good one now coming into the season the moves this offseason for everybody from the bulls to the knicks to the nets added added depth and whatever a lot of teams added pieces or lost pieces whatever it is kyle Lowry to the heat you get the idea. Knicks fans kind of felt like they were right where they were last year or better. And it was probably wrong to think that. It was too aggressive to think that. And I, I tried to find those proper expectations. But then after a couple big wins early, oh, they're first in the standings. Oh, they beat the Bucks. Oh, now they beat the uh the Hawks or whatever, whatever it was in the earlier part of the season. It's like, wow, now this team's good. Yeah, we're gonna be a top four C or this and that. And then you go on a little slide and RJ Barrett struggles and Julius Randle struggling. And then uh, Kemba and Evan Fournier don't hit every shot. And the defense becomes not as strong. All we got is a bench. Like what happened to this team, right? And now what we're going to see, in my opinion, over the next month is the balance act, right? We weren't as good as we were in the first week and a half. We weren't as bad as we were in the second week and a half. We're somewhere in between there. We're probably in that five to seven seed range, which is most realistic all along. Might be in the eight seat. I don't think we're in the eight seat. I think we're in that five to seven range. And that's probably where we belonged all along. Uh, but seeing them go toe to toe with the Brooklyn Nets with James Harding and having the game that he did too, even more important to me, proves that they are in that same ilk of contender that they were last year. And that's not a championship contender. That is a true Eastern Conference playoff contender that people don't want to play. That was the thing last year. Nobody wanted to come play the New York Knicks in New York or see them on the road because they were going to grind you out. That's what we saw last night. They were down big in the second quarter. They fought back to make it close at half. They get smoked out in the third quarter. By the end of the third quarter, they're back in it. That's the team that we fell in love with last year. That's the luster that they kind of lost over the first uh, or the last few weeks. Unfortunately, the Kemba aspect of it, the, the proof's in the pudding, as we talked about in the last episode, the numbers hurt, just like were hurtful to look at. Offense wasn't as good with them. Defense was really bad with them. Uh, and it shows that Tibbs is willing to adapt on the fly 
end big picture. And that's something that we as Knicks fans and people in the NBA questioned overall, really, right? Like people weren't sure if Tibbs would be able to adapt, play a young guy over a vet. And he's he's showing the the proof here that he's willing to change and be better, better himself and better his team. No, definitely agree. I, I think um, Tibbs making that move, like I said before, I think Tibbs making that move the night of the Nets game just speaks volumes about like the trust that they have with Alec Burks and pretty much just, just knowing that they probably had this answer a long time ago and pretty much just like gave Kemba long enough a leash, like, you know, to, to keep his spot just for, you know, financial purposes. And they're probably like, you know what, this isn't going to work. You know, let's, let's, kind of move away from this and let's let's do this now before you know we pretty much get into deep and uh you know let's let's not necessarily save our season but let's let's find out where we're at you know if we're legit we're legit and this is the team to put to you know to find out against yeah and everybody loved the draft picks with grimes and mcbride and you know from last year ob and quick getting those two and those four opportunities can come from a move like this and that's something that can help the team long term because right now in the playoffs we're talking about playoffs Kemba's negatives would be more highlighted unfortunately right and I think that's something that's tough to swallow because we all love Kemba but if he's getting this abused defensively now imagine the playoffs when they're game planning specifically to pick him out that's going to be nearly impossible to overcome and now you get ahead of it and you know maybe he can find himself in a bench role Someone goes down. It's not like he's completely useless, but the role that he was in wasn't working out. So we'll see where Kemba goes from here. You know, who knows? Who, who really knows what will happen? Um, on the Nets front, are you shocked? Where were you at with the James Harden struggle bus early on? Were you Are you shocked he's uh, seemingly back to form here? Because I, I know I'm not. No, me neither. I, I knew it was just a matter of time. You know, he's going to figure out just – how to be a scorer again. And it's great players adjust. And he's just another guy that's, you know, just going to figure it out. And everyone kept complaining like, Oh, you know, he, he doesn't know how to score, you know, in this new kind of the new, you know, rules or the new calls that they're making. And, you know, eventually he just does what he does. And that's just get buckets, man. He, you can't really, it's tough to stop a dude like that, that can score at so many different, different ways. And, you know, he, he's just so skilled. Like, he's not just like some one trick pony. You know, he, he can literally get to the basket. He can shoot threes. You know, he's going to make you, you know, he's going to make you fall and, and literally just make plays for others. So I was not concerned at all. Not at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And I have the TikTok receipts to prove it uh, from like three weeks ago. Uh, but let's move on really quick. So I want to get to football. That's going to be the bulk of our episode here. But we're already, we're already pushing 20 minutes. So let's talk really, really quick. About your Phoenix Suns. I don't want to say your Phoenix Suns. I just know you like them and you're yeah, over boy. there. Chris Paul's your guy for forever and always. So let's talk about the Suns. I mean, the Warriors Suns game was super fun. Devin Booker gets gets hurt in the second quarter and he's out for the game. That was tough. You think all oh, the Warriors got a shot to take this one now, even though they had a shot all along, obviously. But the Suns, man, persistent, defensively amazing offense, share the ball. Chris Paul running the show. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch the Suns go off. Uh, they're on an 18-game win streak right now. What do you think about this this team in general? Like, a lot of people thought there was some flukiness to their their finals run. I know you did not. 
So now Chris Paul's still doing the damn thing. When are we going to stop doubting this man? <laughs> Dude, it was, is it just me or was no one even talking about really their win streak until it got to like 12 or like 14? If I'm being right? honest, it, it, like almost until like they started talking like, about it, but they started talking about it before the Warriors game. Yeah, right. Like what I, I thought it was just me because everyone like, you know, say I'll watch, uh, you know, a, a first take rerun. Just just typical, you know. All right, what's you know what's in for sports or you know get up anything just just you know getting my my sports fix and it almost seemed like they would do all their headlines and then just be like all right hey uh the suns have won 12 in a row all right in other news uh the cowboys is <laughs> yeah. like damn dude like yo they're they're like balling right now or or you know a uh, a uh, uh, warriors Steph headline you know was kind of I mean, and obviously rightfully so, you know, he, he's killing it, you know, no, nothing taken away from him, but I just felt like they just weren't really getting like the same respect and, and like good for them for stepping up like national stage TNT and, uh, and giving Steph literally the worst performance of his career. Now I'm not saying they completely just shut down Steph and Steph was in shackles like all night. It was, but I mean, it wasn't like Steph just went out there and decided to, not have a good shooting night like he just you know they they got into a space man they they played pretty good defense on him so you definitely have to give them credit but you know i think they're all gelling you know off of that finals run and that doesn't always happen you know you see the lakers shoot last year you know after winning that championship and and then they kind of yeah in the heat they just don't really look the same so you know credit to them for really taking the next step and you know, really trying to make a stamp in this in this Western Conference and really trying to make a another uh, finals run. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? You just thought made me think of this here. With the Suns and their quote-unquote fluky finals run, a lot of people were not really giving them credit. They weren't saying, oh, the Suns are here to stay. Oh, they're still a top-tier finals contender. Oh, they're still a favorite in the Western Conference. It was the complete opposite. It was more like, eh, I don't think I trust it. Jamal Murray was hurt. Eh, Kawhi Leonard was hurt. Eh, they played LeBron and AD, who are both banged up in the first round. Eh, they got beat by the Bucks. Like it was all these excuses of why they shouldn't have been there. And in a weird way, that's a unique sp- uh, space for somebody who just made the finals, especially for someone like Chris Paul who made it for the first time. A lot of human beings would automatically like take a weight off their shoulder and calm down, and you get that Super Bowl hangover that uh, people talk about in sports all the time. Like, oh, you made it to the finals. Now you're going to kind of take your foot off the gas and you're not going to be the same team you were last year. But this team almost got galvanized off the hate. Like we made it to the finals and still nobody wants to give us respect. Like Devin Booker is out here saying still nobody wants to talk about me. Top 10 in the league. No one's going to give me that credit. Chris Paul saying you guys think I'm old. I'm still cooking all your favorite players. So it's a weird, unique spot for them to be in, but it's working right now, man. Whatever the hell is going on over there. And Mikhail Bridges, boy. That guy is, he's special. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be Different. a 22-point-a-game guy, but I think he might be one of those 17 to 18-point-per-game guys for like the rest of his career, lockdown, high efficiency. Like He is just special watching him up and down the court, offense, defense, transition, everywhere. He's just good. I don't know why, but he doesn't have this, obviously, the shooting prowess, but 
the same shooting prowess, but he reminds me a lot of like clay in a sense. Like mm. he doesn't, he doesn't long really get yeah, long arms. Like doesn't really like sh- obviously doesn't shoot as great as clay, but to, like plays hard as hell on defense, long arms, you know, wiry has a nice little like mid range, but could like also dunk on you like sneakily, like freeze up on you. Like, I don't know. He, he's, he's got a lot of potential and obviously he's very young. And I just know that every Sixers fan is just kicking themselves oh, right now, God. like oh. kicking themselves. Like, I don't know what what they were thinking. You know, I know that pick got them Tobias Harris, but would you take Bridges or Tobias Harris right now? Oh, I, that think pick, I, would... I don't think that pick got them <laughs> Tobias Harris. I th- Yo, so I listened to the... The J.J. Redick, the old man. J.J. Redick. I heard that Old story. man. And I think he's... If I'm correct, I may be obviously incorrect, but... I think they said that pick helped them get Tobias, but I'm not sure. Uh, now I got to do like a whole deep dive here. So Miles Mikel Bridges came into the uh, league in 1819. When did Tobias Harris join the Sixers? That's the question. Because I know Zaire Smith was obviously the guy who he was traded for, and that did Correct. not work out at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he came onto the team in 1819. So it's po- it's possible you are correct. Possible that it was like a later. It wasn't a part of the trade, but it helped them. No, correct. No, right. I think it was. I think it was a pit. Yeah, that that uh trade pick. I think was the one might have maybe gave gave it to him. Not sure about. Well, I I was driving to work the other day, and out of the blue, I wasn't even listening to a podcast about Mikel Bridges or that trade or the Eagles not taking Justin Jefferson. I was just thinking about Justin Jefferson and like how good he is at football, and then. Like myself, out of the blue in the car. It's like 8.30 in the morning. I'm like, damn, I wonder which uh, hurts more for Philly fans. Picking <sighs> Mikael Bridges, hometown kid, and then trading him away or passing on Justin Jefferson, who might be a top three receiver in the league for the next six years. Like <laughs> Ridiculous, bro. Like, like, talk about just being, I mean, they're not cursed, but damn, like, it's pretty damn close. Like, sheesh. They can at least... You know? They can at least say this every once in a while. I hate myself. And then <laughs> that's, how, that's how they're feeling every time they see either of those two guys do anything special. That's exactly how they feel. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. Let's move on to football. Speaking of Justin Jefferson and and football in general, let's make that a segue. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Kyle Anderson here. Time to move on to the NFL portion of today's episode where we're going to get into the Giants. who have a very interesting game actually coming up against the Miami Dolphins. They did just defeat the Eagles, speaking of the Eagles. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to get our hopes too high, I don't think. You know, We'll see what Kyle has to say about that. But an interesting game, nonetheless, with the parity in this NFL right now. So we'll get into Dolphins and, and Giants. We'll get into some other games that are previews for uh, this upcoming week. But first, Kyle, you know, I mentioned before, quarterback guy, offensive guy. I wanted to ask you a question about Matt Stafford and the L.A. Rams. And first and foremost, before we get into any specific stuff about like scheme or anything uh, more in depth about the Rams overall, Stafford hasn't looked right for like two or three weeks now. And it came out after the game, Diana Rossini was saying how he's actually really bad, uh, banged up, back pain, his arms not right, whatever it may be. He's not 100%. And I wanted to ask you as a guy who's played quarterback, obviously not in the NFL, but you know, you play the position and you just get it more than anyone of us sitting on the couch. What is it like being injured as a quarterback? Because it's weird to me sitting at home, like watching Stafford throw a dime 
throw a dot, like a, a, a bullet pass and then a touch pass, good. And then all of a sudden, like four throws in the game just look absolutely wrong and horrible and then totally change the outcome of a quarter, a drive, a, a game, if you will. So what's it like and what do you see with Stafford um, when you're seeing some of these errant throws mixed in with good throws? Like how, how does that get affected? How does it change play to play? I think it's it's a great question because there's a lot of different like movements that you would have as a quarterback. You know, obviously every pocket isn't the same. And, you know, just with his just thinking about his back. So say you're getting pressure from the right side and, you know, you're able to step up into the pocket. But, you know, once you step up into the pocket, you know, you're using a lot of your legs, you lose using a lot of your core and you can step up in, into the pocket and say that back that usually is, you know, pretty good and pretty solid. And you can step into a throw. You can plan off your back foot and really push off your back foot. Now, if that back is locked up, all right, now your ball is probably going to sail. You know, your balls, you're not going to be able to drive off your back foot and your ball is no longer on a line. You know, you say you're throwing a dig over the middle. That dig, that would usually hit him like right in the face mask, like a classic, you know, Stafford rope. Now that ball's sailing over his head and now the safety's picking it off. You know, so it's it's not um it it may not be necessarily him like just like throwing bad passes, but it just might be his body reacting to certain movements that are not uh you know just good for him right now. There are you know, and and actually now I think about it, he's he's probably one of the best off-platform guys like him Rodgers, and Mahomes are probably the three best off-platform crazy arm angle throwing guys and obviously Stafford is known as just one of those iron horses guys where he just never you know never sits out of a game always plays you know hurt and for most of the situations that he's in he's able to you know when he's healthy he's able to just move around and, you know, the arm arms like out here and he can throw it over his head and he can almost like go like by his waist with certain throws, but an injury like with his back that could really limit some of his strengths as far as just being accurate with the football, just because of, you know, it'll lock, you know, say you go to throw and just lock up. Now your ball is either sailing or going into the dirt and you're not as accurate. Um, it's it and and that's why it just pops up or, or you know it, it random bad ball or or a lot of good good passes. It really just depends on um, kind of just the pocket and certain movements, you know, especially with your back. That's that's definitely tough. And I imagine similar similar ideas apply to any sort of like elbow or like hand issue as well. Right? Yeah, Where, for sure. For whatever and, reason, you hit that arm slot that kind of doesn't bother you. And, and you throw fine. And then every once in a while, the shoulder doesn't get back enough, whatever it may be, but you hit a different slot and the extension doesn't come out the same way. And you just go, don't get the same zip. And I feel like we're seeing that with Russell Wilson a little bit right now too. He's coming off the hand. Yeah. Like some, some balls just aren't looking right out of his hand. And you know, if you played baseball, even, you know, uh, growing up or in high school, college, whatever it is, if you're an outfielder, like you can throw, you know, 10 throws from the outfield into third base or home, whatever it may be. And there just may be one or two of them that the slot just didn't line up. And you're just like, Oh, sh that, that wasn't it. Like that wasn't yeah. the one. And you don't expect that to happen to pro athletes, but, and typically it doesn't really happen right to the good ones, at least. 
But when you you throw in that elbow issue, you throw in the finger messed up, you throw in the back, like you just kind of explained, um, it makes more sense. And it's it's got to be like incredibly frustrating from like a receiver standpoint, right? Like Cooper Cup has been used to hit, getting hit in the chest all year. And now all of a sudden he's over the middle on a dig. He's got to jump for a ball and he's getting popped up like that. It's a tough dynamic. And then as a play caller to mix it into the Rams overall here as a play caller, do you have to try and hide that and sugarcoat that? Like, do you have to think of a way to, to hide all of that stuff? Or do you have to trust your guy if he's out there that he can do all that he's normally done and just go with your, your normal stuff? Like, how do you prepare for that or flip the script on the fly? If you're seeing something go down in, in game. Yeah, and I and I think it has already. Um, if you watch like that Packers game from this past weekend, they didn't run any bootlegs, which in the Rams offense, like they run boot like 15 times a game, like just off of off of stretch, off of inside zone. And they they'll boot guys and they they like McVay is literally like a, a genius, a mastermind of how he just kind of we always call it like window dressing like a play where we're literally running the same play. It's just out of a different formation or we're running just, you know, a different motion to it. And literally the Rams do it every week. They run the same play. They run, you know, just a simple like stretch boot. They straight, you know, they fake like the outside run and the quarterback will fake the handoff and boot out the other way. And then you'll see, that's when you see like the classic, like either cup or uh, Robert Woods would just sneak out into the flat and he catches a pass, and it seems like there's no one there. And that – I remember I was watching the games like, dude, why – and just not thinking about Stafford's injuries, I'm like, dude, why are they not running boot? Like, they they always run boot. Why are they not running that? And that's probably why they're not running boot is just because he's so limited, you know, physically. They can't even run him outside of the pocket, and that's one of their staples. So now your playbook goes from like a wide open, like I can run whatever I want, especially with Stafford's arm talent. And obviously he's just a smart dude. Now you're kind of limited to what you would like to do. So now, you know, in second and 10, you're like, Hey, this is usually my boot call. All right. Now I got to think of something else, you know, drop something else that we usually, we typically don't do. And then on top of that, think about if you had OBJ, you know, in the flat running those boot passes, you know, he's one of the best open field, you know, receivers, one of those yak guys. That's probably one of the top 10 in the league. And now you're, you, we can't get him in open space. So it, it definitely hurts them right now. And once he gets healthy, I hope that they can kind of um, get back to that complexity in their offense. But right now it's, it's pretty limited. And I think that's exactly why, you know, Stafford is just really struggling right now. Yeah. They've lost three in a row. And they've already had their buy, which is probably one of the more, you know, crucial details to their season right now with the health concerns with Matt Stafford. Like he doesn't have that off week to get right. He's got to grind yeah. through it and he will grind through it, right? You have the utmost faith that he will do it because that's what he's done his entire career. But now adding that on one on top of the other on top of the other in the year like 12 of his career or whatever it is, it gets a little bit tougher. <laughs> it gets yeah. a little tougher to, yeah. to get right in the midst of a season like that. I'm pretty sure they have Keenum as their backup. I think it would be yeah, very Keenum smart is, uh, for them. Is with right? Is it Keenum? Who is it? He's with Cleveland. He's with Cle- he's with Cleveland. I'm sorry. Okay, so whoever, honestly, whoever their backup quarterback is, they need to really consider letting him rock for a game and 
and sit in Stafford, you know, before the playoffs. If they, if you know, if you're if you're organ if you're setting up this this big roster and it's almost like Super Bowl or bust, you really got to consider not, you know, playing him one of these weeks so he can get himself healthy for the playoffs. And here's the interesting part of that too, right? This is the week to do it. They're playing Jacksonville, but they're on a three game slide right now. Can you really yeah. can you really play with your food like that when you you are probably can't afford it. No, again, it's John Walford, by the way, a guy who won a playoff game last year. From the okay, Oscars. yes, right. that's right. Yeah, so they got Jacksonville, Arizona, Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore, San Francisco, man, and they're going to need to win. They're going to need to win a bunch of those games because San Francisco is on their ass right now. Yeah, and they whooped their ass like two weeks ago. Yep. So they yeah, did. They don't really got time for it right now, unfortunately, and it'll be interesting to see what happens now and moving forward. They do have a relatively easy matchup here with Jacksonville, even though their defense has been frisky lately. Uh, and, you know, that's one of those scary ones. Like, their pass rush can kind of get after you a little bit down in Jacksonville. So, it, it, it's not hey, a, have, it's a gimme, but yeah. it's not it's not a gimme gimme. You know, you can't. Held, held those bills to, to not, I mean, to six, you know. So, they, yeah. that defense is legit. You can't take it for granted. You really can't. But, uh, yeah, the Rams are interesting. I think and one more thing before we move on with them. Sean McVay is a little frustrating sometimes lately, in my opinion. And I'm not a, a big, like, let's uh, crush play callers. That's not what I try to do on this podcast or in general because I don't know, you know, 18, 8, 2%. I don't know. I don't know 1% of what these guys know who are calling plays, especially somebody like Sean McVay. But when you see stuff over time, you can kind of make some better assessments rather than saying, oh, why did you run that play? Like, they had a reason, right? Like, Sean McVay yeah. gave me 19 reasons of why he ran that play better than whatever my reason is to not run that play. But over the course of time, you see stuff and it makes you wonder. And one thing I heard called out by a big film junkie on the ringer is um, the Razzle Douglas pick that was pick six uh, against, against the Packers. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. He was like, I watched that over and over and over again on film. And it looked like Razzle Douglas just completely jumped the route. Like he knew it was coming. He saw it coming. And it made me think about lack of creativity which no one puts on Sean McVay because we think of him as like this creative guy. Mm -hmm. But it kind of feels like they're running out of um, this like advantage where he's got new things all the time and he's kind of going back to what works. And I think defenses might know those things. They might be on him There's, a little bit. Yeah. Is that possible here where McVay's getting a little bit stale and there's some true adaptation that needs to come out of him? Yeah, and I think that's and I think it's exactly what we were just talking about. I think when Stafford's limited, you know, at least like physically, he can't really like be as creative as he wanted to because he's just like, all right, well, I can only keep you in the pocket, and a lot of his stuff is off of the run. So you know, his play action stuff not the same right now either, and the line's not that great. So I think they're. That's what I was saying before. I think they're just their their playbook has to be limited, and now it's all right. What are our best, you know, five plays on third down? Okay, that's what we're running on third down. You know, and I'm sure it's not that simple, but you can kind of just like see that if if that is the case, you could probably see just like, hey, this is what we're going to be sticking to because we're just so limited uh, on offense. And 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 also, if you are going to keep, uh, you know, Odell out there on the field, you're probably going to stick with kind of your most basic plays since he's just getting there. You don't know. So it could be it also. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I look forward to seeing how they figure it out. I always kind of pull for the Rams uh, since McVay got there. I just thought they've been really exciting and, and whatnot. So 
I'm interested to see. I, I like to see them in the playoffs. They're a fun team, typically. Haven't been as fun over the past handful of weeks. Um, but yeah, they got Jacksonville this week. We'll see how that goes. A quick aside before we go into our you know, Giants-Dolphins little conversation that we're going to get into here. As a guy who played uh, called plays this year, is your first year? No, second year, right? Second year, yep. Second year calling plays. Everyone talks about this on every level from high school, college to NFL, um, that guys have a script. Are you a script guy for, for the first drives? Um, you know what? We don't we don't have like, you know, a script for like say uh if you're saying like first five plays like mapped out. Yeah, like beginning of the game. We we don't. We don't. I know I've known coaches and played for coaches that did. Um but yeah, we we don't. And I know I can see why some some teams like to do that because it's really just like, all right, hey, how do they line up to this? How do they move to motion? And you kind of can get an early sense of what teams do. But a lot of the time, at least for us personally, like we just will run our plays and we can kind of a lot of our stuff just already is going to show us what we want to see. I guess I guess what I can you have, you have accurately like a say. Right a grouping. Of What's plays? up? You have a grouping of plays rather than a one, two, three, four, five type of situation. Yes, correct. Yeah. So like what we what we have, like say on our script, it'll be like, all right, all right, hey, uh, on the left or right hash, you know, what we like to call right. on uh second second and two, you know, I need, you know, I, I'm responsible for like two plays. Um, you know, for second and one, two plays, uh, third and long. Third and medium, uh, red zone plays, you know, first and 20. I mean, first and 10 on the 20 or first and 10 on the 16. Or uh, let's say um, first and 20, you know, what what's a good play for us backed up? You know, stuff like that is more what we usually have on our on our uh, on our call sheets. You know, I'm not trying to give up yeah. too much. You never know who's listening. Uh, no one's, no one's, no one's, li- no one's listening. Uh, that I play against, I don't, I don't know them too personally. And Woodbridge, Woodbridge now is out of our division, so. Oh, it's, you're, it's all you're good. talking about you're talking about the brothers. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? And also, since um, you know, I just want to put that out there. Since you know, I haven't been on the pod, uh, in a while recently. You know, my brothers are playing over at Woodbridge. Um, my one brother actually played a lot this year. He started both ways. My other brother was. Um, a backup at quarterback. They're both freshmen this year. Freshmen. Um, yeah, they're freshmen this year. But uh, yeah, we did beat them. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was a big win uh, for the Raiders, and uh, we'll never never be forgotten because you know it's it is very possible that I'll never play my brothers again. Wow. In another game. So that's crazy. I'll be undefeated for life. So hell yeah, walk away with the win. Get yeah. out of there. Get that's out of it. That's it. Yes, yeah, it. Oh, Before after we won that game, game, I should should have resigned. Just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, not coaching anymore. Did, let me ask you this: Did uh, your brother, who played wide receiver this year, did he ever yeah. get a he's a freshman chant? Um, I think he that's did. Big. Yeah, I think he did. I think he did get the the classic he's a freshman chant. That's legit. Um, I hope I hope they get one for basketball. They're they're, uh, they're playing basketball right now. And uh, yeah, they're getting. I think it's they're getting some uh, some they're practicing with JV. I'm practicing with varsity. I'm sorry, but I think they're gonna play mostly with JV. So, um, I don't know if they'll get a he's a freshman chant on you know at a JV game, but right, right. Yeah, it's a little, we'll tougher. A little, a little tougher sell, yeah, but it's all good. yeah, 
big stuff for the Anderson Bros twins. Shout out there. Yeah, man. It's going great. Subway Sports Talk as well. So shout out to those guys. Uh, let's talk about the Giants. And the reason why I asked you about that script thing is it kind of segues into this Giants conversation here. Now, we know the defense played better this past week, but the offense is still a question mark. Freddie Kitchens, now the play caller for the New York Giants. Jason Garrett was kind of one of those guys who it's like, why does his first drive look so awesome? And then none of the drives after that look like that, like look as good, even though his first drives didn't usually get touchdowns. They just got to the red zone. Um, so the Giants offense this week, I know you watched the game, still stagnant, no run game to speak of, offensive line woes. D- uh, Daniel Jones, you know, did he make the big mistake? No, thankfully, but he didn't make the big play really either. Uh, and I was at the game. It was a really weird game to be at because it was exciting because it was close. But realistically, there was minimal offensive output on both sides. And, you know, when you're watching from, from the stadium, you don't get to see angles all the time, depending on where they are on the field. Yeah. What did you see from the offensive standpoint? And my question kind of is, is it kind of hopeless here with the talent or lack thereof on the offensive line and Daniel Jones being who he is and now a new play caller? Like, what is the the optimist view? Try to give me an optimist view if you can. If not, just, like, bash them. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the uh, I'll say this: the offensive line. It was crazy. I was listening to the radio like the past couple of days, and they were saying that people kept just like killing the Giants about, yeah, how come the Giants every year the offensive line is needs to be addressed every off season and and during every season the the line needs to be addressed. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's that's about right. And you know, I, I feel bad for Saquon sometimes because. A lot of people give him crap, and I think it's kind of unfair just because, you know, they it's the whole, oh, you know, he's a second pick. Uh, You know, he should be doing more for us. But, dude, like, we have no line. Like, I I, I don't – they're – they give him the ball sometimes, and there's literally nothing there. And, like, what what is he supposed to do? Like, there's there's literally nothing there. And and the guys that – Obviously, on, on our offensive line, we all know should not be there, and they're not good. And and is is exactly why I think we get kind of the product we get from Daniel Jones as well. And I'm not I, I'm not really like the biggest Daniel Jones fan, but I think we will get more of an accurate read. I will be say this and be fair. I'll I think we'll get more of an accurate read if we had a good line, you know, and, and we don't. So. There is some things that I think that if he did have a good line, we would get a more accurate read if he is legit or not. But I, I think it just comes all the way down to the line, and it's just not good. You know, losing losing Gates earlier in the year Brutal. is huge for us right now. It literally just moved the entire line. Um, the One of the bright spots, obviously, is just Andrew Thomas is coming around. Um, but, you know, just, just Nate Solder is just unwatchable. Will so Hernandez it's it's tough. Too. Will Hernandez, yeah. Will Hernandez is not good either. Yeah. So. so on the Saquon front, quick before Daniel Jones, he had the one big run, 32 yards, and that was his longest that I've seen, I think, in like a year and a half, which is yeah. He obviously had some bigger pass plays, probably more explosives at least. He had the 32 yard run, but he had 13 carries for 40 yards. That means he had eight yards on his other 12 carries. And like Dude. you said, he wasn't he wasn't really dancing around. Like he no. wasn't doing the typical, oh, I'm Saquon Barkley. I'm going to bounce this out, get to the outside, and beat everybody. He was trying to find a hole, and there was no holes to speak of. The, the, the only hole that there was was his imprint in the ground that he was getting. Pretty much, dude. 
because it, it was, was bad. It was really bad. But on, on the Daniel Jones front, this is where I kind of stand and tell me how you feel about this. Because there's a lot of people out there for who are Giants fans who are still kind of like, hey, it's not Daniel Jones' fault. He's still doing his best. He's still making good plays and whatever. He he shows the talent. If he had help, it would be better. Do I disagree with the statement that if he had help, he'd be better? No, of course not. But the quarterback you want for leading your franchise should be able to overcome some issues. Now, I'm not talking about overcoming this offensive line and being an 11-win team, you know, and throwing uh, 35-plus touchdowns. Uh, I'm not talking about that. But a, a bad offensive line and a good quarterback should still be able to score points every week, should be able to do something. Like, look at Joe Burrow last year. And if you want to say they're not in the same class, that's exactly my point. Joe Burrow's not in the class of a top 10 quarterback right now, but every single week last year, even more so with his rookie season, he was still moving the ball, making plays. And yeah, did he get a pick every once in a while? Yes. Did he get sacked a bunch? Yes. But in between those negatives were big time positives. And I just don't see it here. So yeah, will he be better with a better offensive line? Absolutely. But if you can't overcome any issues with a bad roster around you, how can we expect you to propel a solid roster to greatness, to even better than average, if you will want to go to just go to that level there. So that's where I feel it's almost just inevitability that even if this team gets better, we're still going to want a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. And that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, man, I'm not hating on him, but he's just not that guy. Like he doesn't seem to be able to overcome issues, which as a quarterback, as a great quarterback in this league, you have to make negatives look positive or negatives look decent and decents look positive, whatever it may be. He just doesn't seem to get over any humps. Not dude, I I couldn't agree more. And and it it's almost like you know how we talk about with basketball, you know, like guys that are like I forgot how you call like team elevators or team or was it team elevators? Just like guys that just kind of plateau, man. And he's a guy that just legit is not someone that's gonna take his group to the next level. Um, and you make a great point because Joe Burrow, think about just his group. From last year, obviously this year, you know, they picked up some guys, but just last year, last year, the year before they're, they're Owen, you know, Owen 16, they're, they're horrible, you know? So like how, how can he take that group and he's more successful than a group? If maybe on paper, this group compared to say Joe Burrow's group, he just like totally takes them to the next level. And, and Daniel Jones is still, in the same spot that he's been since he got here. And, you know, you want, you want to give him a chance because you feel like you almost have no other choice as a fan because you want him to succeed. But then at the same time, you, like your eyes, your eyes don't lie to you. You know, this, this is the same, just stagnant, uh, bland, like boring. Like he just, he just doesn't, it, unfortunately, now the quarterbacks that come into the league and really ball out are the guys that right away that wow you and can clearly make other people around them better. And he's just not doing that right now. And I understand that the staff hasn't been great. The, the line hasn't been great, like we've been saying. But at some point, the guys that can kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack as far as quarterbacks go are the guys that are like, yo, F that, let's go. We're winning this game. We're taking over. 
and there are not many instances where you've seen that from Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, it's, it's tough because like, you can say and you can convince me that he individually deserves better, right? Like, does he deserve a better chance? Yeah, everybody deserves their best opportunity to succeed, but not everybody gets that. So when you don't get it, you have to make with what you got. And right now, all he's making is a bottom tier offense. And, and it's unfortunate, but that's what I see. If I look into the future and do my best job trying to predict what's going to happen, is that in another year with Daniel Jones, it's going to be just the same or a slight increment better. And that's not enough to keep kicking the tire down the road and and just be stuck here forever. So let's talk about another quarterback here. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts, but I kind of don't know if we have have the time for it. We can mix in some Jalen Hurts thoughts as well because he has at least an offensive line at this point in time. But Tua is an example there where against his peers, Joe Burrow and James, uh, Justin Herbert, he was kind of getting crapped on, right? Like, oh, can you believe the Dolphins took Tua over Herbert? Can you believe that Tua is uh, won the job over Mac Jones? Now Mac Jones looks better than him. Guess what? Now, in Tua's first complete season, he's played 15 games now in his career, started 15 games. Uh, he has a winning record, and his numbers are getting better. And he's actually looking a little bit more comfortable, in my opinion. Now, I've been a Tua guy more so than than others, I think, over the course of the past two seasons. Use him as an example. What do you what do you see with Tua Tunga Viola right now in his ability to at least make poor to average circumstance work? And when he actually has good performance around him, they seemingly win a lot of games. Or when he's healthy, they win games. Even if he's not super spectacular, what does he do to help give his team a chance to win? I think Tua doesn't get enough credit, and I think a lot of fans have just been like trying to put the band-aid on the Dolphins that you know Deshaun Deshaun Watson is going to be like the guy. Um, but I would say that Tua is actually a guy that's kind of getting a lot out of his team. You know, outside of Waddle and um, I would say Mike Gusecki, like. I mean, they're, they're, they don't really have too many guys. And I feel like Devontae Parker's kind of fallen off just a little bit. He he's hasn't been the same guy. Yeah, he's hurt all the time. Um, so I, I think he's, he's doing a great job of – he's actually doing exactly opposite of what Daniel Jones does. He's pretty – like, takes his guys to the next level. He gets people better. And it may not, it may not like, show up on the stat sheet right now where it's like, oh, he's throwing for – 250 and you know four touchdowns and all that but he is winning them games he's not the reason why they're losing is what i'll say and there are quarterbacks such as the one we were just talking about there's sometimes he is you know they are the reason why they're losing and i'm not gonna say he's like totally tearing it up or totally you know switching turn over a new leaf and he's they don't they shouldn't be looking at the sean watson but i will say that he definitely deserves more of a shot to prove himself because he definitely can play. And, um, you know, just with the weapons that they have and doing what he's doing with them, you know, give this guy some more help. And I guarantee you he's still going to keep killing it. You know, he's going to keep, get, keep getting better as long as he stays healthy. You know, it seems like he's doing a better job of that this year. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing too, with the Daniel Jones versus Tua thing. And they're playing each other this week coming up. There's real, excuses for Tua about him individually being banged up 
Whereas excuses for Daniel Jones are all about what's around him and not always about him. He's not hurt. He's not playing through injuries. He's not doing all that stuff. He's just kind of meddling in that below average tier where Tua is kind of teetering at different points last year and this year between the below average to average tier and now seems to be kind of finding himself into the, uh, you know, more consistent more consistent tier of being average, right? If that makes any sense. So I don't know. I think there's some reason to believe Tua can be a guy who can be a, a, a playoff consistent quarterback. I don't know what his ceiling is right now, but I do also like what I'm seeing out of Tua. And now to think about this game coming up here, Kyle, right now the Dolphins are on a four-game win streak. The Giants have come off, you know, two out of three solid games where they beat the Raiders and then they beat the Eagles last week. Wasn't a great offensive performance, but Dolphins are four-point favorite. It's in Miami. I don't want to talk about the Giants with a chance to like really be in a playoff picture here, but with the way both conferences are right now, they're four and seven, right? There's a there's a slim, slim chance they can make a run and be close and play some meaningful football here. What do you like this weekend with the Giants going into Miami with the seemingly hot Dolphins? I think it's going to be a tough task for them. Um, it's just a team that's way too hot right now. I know that the Giants have just uh, you know, got the win against the Eagles, and I think it was kind of just we didn't play as bad as the Eagles did, unfortunately. I think the Dolphins are just on a on a tear right now and look like they're playing pretty motivated. Um, and they look like they play for uh, a head coach that they like. I say that I think it uh, has a lot to do with uh, kind of where the Giants are right now. It's just that they just are tired of listening to the rah-rah guy and uh, we're going to fix this guy. And uh, we, um, we are, you know, not as bad as we think. It, it that's that's it gets old when you're when you're constantly losing or it gets old when you're constantly getting your ass kicked so i think it's just something that you know a guy like flores that they keep you know mentioning is just just a great coach and a guy that people want to play for i think it's just one another reason why the dolphins are pretty dangerous um coming into this week and you know and it's a game they need you know if they're gonna somehow sneak into the playoffs you know, they need this kind of way more than the Giants, even though the Giants are somehow, you know, still a possibility in the NFC East. You know, as bad as that division is, um, the Dolphins are playing for definitely much more. And a lot more guys, you know what, playing for, like we were talking about with Tua before, a lot more guys that are playing for their legit, like, career, you know, where they're going to be at in the next couple of years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins finish up here because, you know, they, they can make a splash. And for them, being a playoff team last year, it's that much more important to be close to the playoffs this year. I think with the Giants, like, playoffs were thrown out the window through two weeks ago, right? And now, two weeks ago, like, eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, whatever you want to say. Like, the Giants are never truly playoff contenders here. The Dolphins expected to be playoff contenders. They expected to be AFC East title contenders. And now they're in a point here where they can get back to 500 with a couple more wins. They got the giants and the jets coming up. Why not be seven and seven going into week 14, 15 range. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Let's talk about a few more games though, Kyle, uh, before we say goodbye here. And I want to talk about the Sunday night game because it's the Broncos at the chiefs, the chiefs now on a little run themselves. 
Not that their offense has been spectacular, uh, but it's been getting the job done. The story really has been their defense coming up to play. They're going, they're home. They're in Kansas City, but they're going against the Denver Broncos, who have had an extremely up and down past three or four weeks, uh, coming off a nice win against the Chargers. What have you seen from Mahomes? What have you seen from the Chiefs? Because they're obviously a point of contention in this NFL, expected to be contenders every single year. They slipped for a while. Now they're back on top of the AFC West and seemingly getting right when it matters. So what is your take on the Chiefs and their outlook moving forward? Dude, the Chiefs, man. Defense, 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 man. Their their defense is, is really responding and kind of coming back to life, really. They... Early on, it, it was just like, like, who can they stop right now? And they're just giving up points to everybody. And obviously, the offense wasn't doing great either. And um, it really looks like the defense is getting after the quarterback and putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, guys like Tyron Matthew, Matthew are really stepping up and uh, just orchestrating the defense. You know, I, the thing is, they had the talent up front um, to get it done. You know, with Chris Jones, you know, rushing the pass, just him alone is very dangerous, you know, as, as just as physical as a pass rusher as he is. And, um, you know, it, it's crazy because, you know, when you have talent like that and, you know, they have uh, Spagnola at D.C., you know, just knowing as just as a Giants fan what he brings to the table, um, you know, with the success he's had with the Giants, you just know it just takes for the right kind of time to start clicking and it looks like their defense is really clicking right now and as far as offensively I think Mahomes is starting to understand like dude defenses are taking away the deep throws all right how can I how can I just just get take what the defense gives me all right I'm gonna take it down to you know to Clyde Edwards or yo I'm gonna check this down to Tyreek all right I'm gonna drop back first option isn't there you know a post in the middle Second option isn't there to dig. All right, hey, I'm going to check it into the flat. All right, that still gets me eight yards. Okay, and I think he's starting to understand that my drives can now be 10 plays or 12 plays and still be successful and still be touchdowns or still be field goals. And it doesn't have to be a uh, a two-play drive where I'm taking this crazy shot down the field and I'm on house of highlights because I you know, threw some crazy pass and there's a crazy catch for a touchdown. You know, it's all good to just take the check down. I think he's starting to understand that I can play quarterback in this league and still be successful just by just taking what they give us. You know, it, 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 it's not always going to be a home run. How hard is that to do when you're used to busting on people? Like, imagine, let's go back it's to tough. Kyle Anderson's Woodbridge days. You play the weakest team in the division – and you know, you'll put up a 30 spot, 40 spot, whatever it may be. And then you go up against a, a top competitor in the division and you know it's a different game, but you just got done throwing three 30 plus yard touchdowns, right? Like or 40 yard plus yard touchdowns. What does it take to get yourself back into a mindset of I need to take what they give me a little bit? It is tough because you know, when you have guys that can win the 50-50 balls like Tyreek can. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough, like kind of mental switch that you have to develop because when you're constantly successful with that and you're like, all right, well, it's Tyreek and that guy, like, 
yo, give him a chance. You know, that's kind of just like your mentality all the time. Like, yo, give him a chance. Like, he's technically open. You know, it's Tyreek Hill. You know, he, he can still win that battle. And when defenses are starting to figure that out, and now it's a turnover as opposed to, hey, give him a chance. He's probably going to win the battle. It's It definitely takes time for you to, like, realize, like, yo, that's actually not there. Like, that might not be there right now, but in the third quarter, that's going to be there because I've checked it down or I've gone to the third option or the fourth option, you know, five times now. And now, because what defense is, what happens with defense, man, no one wants to sit, sit and cover four all day or no one wants to to play with, you know, off corners and just, hey, we're going to let you catch catch hitches and we'll tackle. It's it's you know no one no one really wants to do that and be boring and like hey we're gonna keep everything in front the quote unquote like we're gonna be you know we're gonna be soft coverage no one wants to do that so there are gonna be opportunities for you to take shots I think he's just starting to realize like all right th- there's a time and place you know what I mean like you shouldn't be hooking up your girlfriend at the locker after class every freaking period. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a time when your mom's not around, like you can call her over and you can get what you got to get done. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, it's, it can't be every, it can't be every period, bro. Like, That's Jesus. a great analogy. That's right? one of your like, best analogies ever. It's like, yo, it, lo- it loses luster and it loses, uh, you know, you lose success rate over time. Right. Exactly. If you have, if you have a 99% success rate in, 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 you know, in between periods and then all of a sudden, you know, that one Dean that's a hard ass is getting closer, closer and closer. And he knows what he's looking for now. And, and then all of a sudden you're getting caught. Like that's not, you know, I went to an all boys school, so I'm not really used to these, these, uh, <laughs> these ideas, <laughs> but, uh, but no, nah, that's an amazing analogy. And it almost becomes a battle of the boring, right? Like who, yeah. who's going to get more bored quickly or more quickly. Right. So if, if Mahomes can, take the boring stuff, take the boring stuff over and over again, wait for the defense to be like, we need to like come up and send a blitz right now. Oh, you send a blitz. All right, here we go. Like now it's time for me to get busy. And that's interesting because I hear all the time. I'm listening to all these podcasts and listen to all these, you know, former players talking about this new, you know, cover two shell D not, not that's new. I'm sorry, but this, uh, more new idea of how to stop specific types of quarterbacks, the Mahomes yeah. of the world and whatever. And, you always hear, like, even the Manning broadcast, they were talking about it. Like, oh, look at Aaron Rodgers just taking all this short stuff, all this short stuff, saying, yeah, you're going to give me eight yards? I'll take eight yards over and over and over again, and then, boom, take the big shot. They never talk about the defense with that same exact idea of them, you know, the corner, like you said, playing 10 yards off, you know, for eight plays on a drive. Like, God damn, this is... This is brutal. I got to go up and Get tackle. Bored, man. I got to tra- tackle Travis Kelsey again. I'm 185 yeah. pounds. This is terrible, right? Like that's, that's the other aspect of it is, all right, you might be bored, but if you just hold on for a couple more series, a couple more plays, a couple more drives, whatever it may be, then you get a chance to, to get a little, little freaky with it. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think the chiefs are on a roll here. I've been kind of calling this for like four or five weeks now that we're going to look yeah. up and they're going to be on top of the AFC West. That's happened. We're gonna look up, and they're gonna be a true contender. We're, we're on the we're on the doorstep there. They're hey, almost. You know, hey, you know what else about Mahomes too? I think a lot of these quarterbacks, and especially you know maybe even like the Manning broadcast. Like if you hear like some of these like kind of like the commentators, or whatever. A lot of them, I think, are not jealous, but maybe like spiteful because they're like, dude, like 
you know, they're already crowning this dude as Mahomes as, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He's been in the league for, what, four or five years, and he's already, like, the best. Oh, now he's got to take some checkdowns, and he, he can't handle it. Like, it's just, I don't know. You can kind of, like, hear some of the tone, like, in some of their voices when they talk about, you know, some of the things that he's not kind of, you know, getting, you know, taking from the defense that kind of every other quarterback has learned to do. But since Mahomes can throw it a mile, and, you know, throw off his back foot and all this stuff, he hasn't really had to do. So I think it's like some of them are just like, oh, like you're finally learning how to play quarterback. Like, oh, good for you. But, you know, really he's just just a freak, and he was just getting away with it for, you know, so long. And now he's kind of got to relearn how to, you know, take what they give him. That's a great point. And Trent Dilfer is a guy who I really like listening to talk about quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And he always talks about, with like the most, un, I I think at least he talks about it unbiased. Even the guys who he knows personally, he'll criticize and whatever. And people who he loves, he'll criticize. The people who he's been critical of in the past, he'll give credit when it's due. And he's always talked about his own career, saying how many quarterbacks were more talented than him, but what he did was unlock those other things of controlling the game and and doing yeah. this other this little stuff and the the mastering the boring stuff. And he he always uh equates it to golf actually. And you, you do a little golf in yourself. You better than me. So you would probably know this as well. If you want to go up there and just hit monster drives all day, it may look great on the range. You may crush at top golf. You may uh, have like four or five good holes every, out of 18 every week or every time you play. But unless you master hitting a fairway and then, you know, chipping onto the green and all that stuff, you're never going to get your score down. Right. Yeah. So you can be a monster out of the tee box. If you can't, the tee box, is that what it's, is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hitting on the tee box. Why does that sound weird to say? Um, but no, like if you could be a monster out of the tee box, that's great. But if you can't land it on the green uh, with a birdie chance, you're not going to end up with a great score. So that's the same concept with quarterbacks. You can throw the most beautiful deep ball of all time. And that goes back to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones throws a hell of a deep ball. But if he yeah. doesn't learn how to be intermediate consistently, it's not going to matter. It's just not going to matter. Right. Another Bryson, guy, Bryson and Brooks, man. Bryson and Brooks at the match. You know, Bryson hitting it a mile. He got his ass kicked in the match, you know, against yeah. Brooks. The same thing. Exactly. And uh, let's talk about one more Probably team. One more, one more uh, team of quarterback. One more, I should say, cool. matchup with two quarterbacks here. Patriots, Bills, Monday night. Uh, Mac Jones has kind of been the epitome of that. Oof. He's been mastering the boring. He's been Ooh, doing the Mac things. Jones. <laughs> He's been doing the little things. And picking his spots on some deep shots and Patriots are rolling right now, man. They are on top of the uh, AFC East. They are now a betting fit, not the, not the betting favorite, but a betting favorite to be a true contender and be in the mix. And uh, it's not something that people would have never expected, but it's happening quicker. I think than people really expected or wanted to believe at least what have you seen from Mac Jones and the Patriots offense that obviously cares so much about the run game cares about the details, but now have a quarterback who they're trying to allow to be more, you know, flowing throughout uh, offensive systems. No, you're right. You, you, I mean, you hit it around the head, just the the running game, man. You know, they, they really rely on that running game. I think they finally have gotten that O-line back to what it was. And, you know, that, that's kind of like just a, a young quarterback's best friend is just a great running game. I mean, I mean, you can just stay in the division and, excuse me, just think about Mark Sanchez. You know, Mark Sanchez was great for the Jets. 
you know, his first couple of years, they had an amazing running game, you know, took him to the AFC championship game twice. I think this is just the, now, obviously not the same offense, but just the same idea. You know, if you have a great running game, you know, everything opens up for you as a quarterback and, and you're now you have a play action game. Now you can take those deep shots because you have another safety in the box that's worried about the run. Um, and as you know, just the Patriots weapons are not always the best, you know, especially outside receivers. And they're doing a good job just spreading the ball around. And, you know, Hunter Henry's doing a great job for them. He's almost like scoring a touchdown pretty much every game, it seems like. Like every time they need a big score, he steps up. Um, and Mac Jones is really just – it seems like he's kind of taking over the role and just, I don't know, his persona, like his personality just seems like he's just a laid back, just cool dude that can t- kind of just take leadership of the team. And, you know, you have – certain guys that are going to back him, you know, guys that have been there forever, Dante Hightower. Um, now, I mean, kind of Damian Harris, you know, there's some guys that have been there for a while that kind of understand that this guy's like legit and this guy can really take his places. And I mean, they're eight and four right now, correct? Right. They're eight and four. I mean, they could win out this, this AFC East and really make a run for that AFC championship game. And they, they have as good of a shot as anybody may have seen, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, and this Bills matchup is going to be interesting. Right now, Bills favorite, minus two and a half. It's obviously in Buffalo. If this was in New England, would it be a pick Would it be Pats, minus one and a half, minus two, whatever? Who knows? Probably not minus two. That would be uh, kind of a big swing, I guess. But either way, this is a game that anybody can win. There's going to be money bet on both sides. The Bills have slipped up and got back on track, so they're kind of interesting as well. You have a feel for this one. You have a, a side that you're kind of leaning towards here. I don't know. You're you're a little bit of a gambler, not a big time gambler. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been I've been pretty ice cold. As <laughs> we all. <laughs> even, oh my goodness, it's it's been miserable. So, um, but if I was to, I think I would. I think I would take the Patriots here. Um, if I was just picking money money line, like, I think they're just so hot right now. Um, they're, and they're obviously, you know, the Bills defense is pretty dangerous, but the Patriots defense is just like just as good. And their run game is like compared to, I'd say, run games compared to the, the Patriots and Bills run games right now. Patriots run game is like not even close. You know, and they're, they're dominant compared to, to the Bills run game right now. I think that's one of the problems with their offense is just that they don't have a consistent run game. I think they need to fix that before they get to the playoffs because that's usually you know, kind of the bread and butter. And it seems like they're getting away from that right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I think the, the Bills offense, we could have similar conversations that we had about the Chiefs, which they got so used to just letting it fly yeah. last year. And now they're not as consistent with the little stuff as they were. And, you know, Josh Allen's running ability isn't carrying the run game quite like it did last year. You know, Zach Moss was basically a healthy scratch last week. That's something that no one expected. It's weird down there. And, you know, I think... I think I'm going to end up, obviously we get to wait till Monday night. You know, it depends how Sunday goes before we bet on this game. But I think I might end up taking the bills just to be a bit of a, you know, of like, well, uh, what's the, the like uh, a contrarian, if you will. Yeah. Every, like everyone's on the Patriots. Perfect time. Mm-hmm. To bet the bills. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's kind of not something to, to feel comfortable about because of how solid and physical this team has been, man. The Patriots have been so physical on both sides. It's fun to watch, honestly. And it's annoying yeah. to watch 
because frick the Patriots. They've been good for too yep. long, but you can't deny it. You can't deny what you're seeing when they go out there and just beat people up for, for 60 minutes. Yeah, man, it, it's it's the brand. Of, they're, they're really playing a brand of football that's like very playoff-esque right now that yeah. like, all right, everyone, everyone and their mother is striving to have a run game so you go to the playoffs, and when it's cold, you know, it seems like every Patriots team, when it hits November, all right, we've established a run game. You know, now now November, December, we have a run game now, and by January, we're going to be able to run it down your throat, and we're going to have a good play-action game, and our tight ends are going to get involved, and they're going to kill you, you know, up the, up the hash. Um, and it's just exactly what they're doing right now. I think Bill Belichick's definitely – like every year, but he's doing a great job just getting uh, kind of everyone firing all cylinders. Early on, the big question was, are they going to respond after last year? Kind of a kind of an average year for them, obviously, and it wasn't success, successful. And uh, with, you know, just think about down south where Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl. It's, all right, what's Bill going to do? And, you know, Bill Belichick's, again, like every year, is just proving his worth and just proving how valuable he is, uh, you know, to that team. And, and, you know, it's just all about business, man. They always get it done. Yeah. All right. Well, great stuff out of you as always, Kyle. Subway Sports Talk. I, I do want to just ask you this last thing here. I don't want to make you upset. We've had a good episode. Talked. We talked about a lot of things, some positive, some negative, but all in the positive manner, right? Even the negatives, we're trying to critique to be positive. But I have a question that might make you feel just straight up negative. What's going on in the Bronx, bro? What's going on bro. with your New York Yankees right now, Kyle? I Listen, know you have man. something to say. I know you have Listen, something to man. say about the Bronx right now. What's uh, going on with the Yankees, man? Yeah, uh, so I've been I've been uh, following the, uh, the the Bronx talks on uh, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And they're pretty funny, man, because like they keep posting like the memes of Cashman like sleeping on a sleeping bag like in the street. Like, yo, just let me know when Cashman wakes up from his nap, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so true because you just keep hearing about hearing about moves being made. And usually, obviously, as a Yankees fan, as spoiled as we are, you just constantly just used to the Yankees being the first one to make the move. And we haven't. And this is like kind of the first time in a long time that we've kind of been very patient, maybe overly patient in some eyes. Um so if it's anybody that that we have to trust, in my opinion, it has to be Brian Cashman. And as crazy as that sounds, you're like, you know, some people are, he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. You know, we haven't won a World Series in 10 years. Like, dude, he's literally made, you know, chicken salad, chicken crap a, a long, for a, a while. You know, some, some seasons that we, on paper, that we shouldn't have done anything with on, if it was – uh, injuries are just a bad roster, and somehow we just made a few moves and we we made it all right. I, I you can't do anything but trust him. But obviously, fans are just very uneasy, and it doesn't help that you know that team across the way is making a lot right of now. moves right now. Right now. And um, you know it, it's it, I'm 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 not a I'm not a Mets hater by any means because you know some of my family members uh, were Mets fans. But um, but obviously it still just leaves like a sour taste in your mouth. Like you know, my my cousin's a, a big Mets fan. Shout out to Quinn. He's always like, "Yo, like, yo, we got Scherzer, yo, we got the Grom. Like, we got Marte now. Like, 
we're going to World Series. I'm like, yo, man, chill, 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 chill. <laughs> relax, relax. I would not go that far. I was like, but, but you guys are definitely in a better spot, or, or I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about your team right now than mine. I was like, you know, that's what I, I, I would say. But it's, Alex, you know, Alex I'm happy for Mets fans, man. You guys deserve it. You finally have an owner that spends money and does it like makes big splashes for once. Something that you guys have never had. So good yeah. for you guys. Since like 06 or 05, yeah. whatever that whatever that offseason was, I guess it was 05 into 06. Since then, we haven't had like a true revitalization of a core. You know, we've had mm-hmm. like instances of almost that, but not quite what we just went through in the past couple of weeks. It's exciting, but I didn't realize, I mean, I think I'm still kind of closer to spot on here than, than Alec maybe, but Alec told me that I'm crazy that, I think there's uh, as many Met fans who are negative about this as there are positive. And I, you know, he's probably right, but there's a lot of Mets fans out there like me who are like, all right, what's going to go wrong? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we got Scherzer. Now is his year to get hurt. Like uh, the ground, right. he's, he's going right. to have a 0.06 ERA through four starts. And then, uh, then what? Then he's out for the year. You know, I, I was giving, I was giving my boys crap. Cause I was like, all right, you got Scherzer, and now you got the ground. I was like, just another dude you're not going to be scoring runs for. And they were like, <laughs> yo, come on, bro. <laughs> I was like, I'm just saying, man. Yeah, shout out to Mar- our boy Marty, too. Marty said the same exact thing. He sent me yeah, the – Yeah, Marty said the same thing. He sends to you, too? Yeah. yeah. He was, I, was like, I was like, yo, just another dude they're not scoring runs for. Oh, my God. Terrible. All right, man. Well – we have a lot of stuff to get to before we can see if the Mets actually put it together and if the Yankees do anything. Who knows with this lockdown now? Uh, might have MLB might not, might not be the only lockdown now. This new uh, whatever stuff going on over here. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm talking about the other lockdown, perhaps that's uh, pending. People are. Oh of, yeah, a lot We might be locked down for real, man. Yeah, again, can't be it's happening. Crazy, dude. At least we'll be yeah, ripping the pod right here. <laughs> oh yeah oh we'll be ready i'll be watching basketball forever now i'll be back yeah. on the grind. let's go that's right yeah. all right subway sports talk kyle thank you as always my oh, name is peter man. kennedy you know what to do. if you guys like i actually let me just finish by saying this spotify rap came out all that stuff we talked about it earlier i should have brought this up in the beginning but uh as a podcaster you also get a spotify wrapped for your podcast now i will say off the jump uh according to you know our platform here it says like 90% of our listeners are on Apple. So a small percentage, I think only like four or 5% is on Spotify, but I saw a handful of people out there listening on Spotify. So shout out to y'all. Really just, it's another opportunity to say thank you to anyone who listens. I mean, it's just awesome that people click on this and every single week they listen twice a week sometimes. And it just means a lot to me, man. I appreciate it. And there's a handful of people out there who listen to this podcast as much as any other podcast I listen to. And that's freaking awesome. That makes me really happy. And we're going to keep doing this. We're trying to get better. We're trying to give you all more and more content on the horizon. So uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.